to another very special episode of the number one Vampire's Kiss podcast in the known universe, Vampire's Piss. I'm with my lovely co-host, Cassidy Easton. Hello. We are, we are, we are a trans-universal podcast, but there's only one of us. Yeah, I mean, that we know of, you know. That's true. We all we all uh, believe in multiverse theory now. Movies have tricked us into you know buying into that <laughs> shit, you know. So it's cool. And I'm Mateo also. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's the hot new thing, and it's gonna be part of this uh, this podcast as well. Oh yeah, we're gonna do a multiverse episode for sure because everyone's doing it, you know. Everyone's doing it, everyone's and doing some it. people are winning awards for it. I mean, oh yeah, very happy everything. With that. Everything Everywhere is, uh, I think there was a bunch of wins on the Golden Globes. As it should. Recently. Probably my favorite yeah. movie that came out last year. Same. Can't really think um, of... What, I, what uh, other good stuff came out this year that's not Vampire's Kiss? As it came out. Say again? What are some other good uh, movies that came out last year that are not Vampire's Kisses that was released in 1989? Um, I, I mean, my top five off the top of my head was, uh, it was Everything Everywhere, Scream, Terrifier 2, um, I'm forgetting the fourth one already. I should just look at my letterbox list. I watched Puss in Boots last night. That probably would have made it onto the, onto the, uh, the old top five mm-hmm. yeah hearing a lot of really good things about it seems a nice... oh bodies 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 was there okay decision to leave no pinocchio. good shit pinocchio mm-hmm. um i didn't watch this movie fully but it's going now to the bottom of my list because of allegations that have come out against him yeah i was gonna say yeah. this place rules it was one of our recommendations it last was. episode, and I kid you not, I think like literally two days after that episode dropped, the allegations came out. Yeah, not our faults. Um, very yeah. unfortunate. I was extremely distraught by it. I really respect Andrew as a journalist. I really have enjoyed his work for a while, mm-hmm. and it's it's very sad to see you know an, another person who you would assume is upholding like good morals and integrity to just you know be out as like another shitty dude who abuses women so fuck that guy and fuck that movie uh pirate it i guess if you if you must watch it if you must watch it um put ad block on any videos if you ever decide to watch it i don't know (laughs) if i'm ever gonna i feel bad i literally like showed (laughs) my dad the fish lot video like two days ago you know well, not two days ago, like uh, the day or two before uh everything came out and it's yeah 
It's it's so it's so disheartening, but that's why nowadays you just can't put anyone on a pedestal. That's it's true. just like you can't advocate for someone too hard because uh you know, they might come out as an incredible shithead. Mm-hmm. Don't trust men in general as like a word of advice. Yeah. Uh it's pretty sound advice specifically, yeah. Um, you know, dare I say, don't even trust Nicolas Cage, you know, as, probably as much as we not. enjoy him. Yeah, no. Um, I, uh, oh God, yeah, that that would be, that would really put a, a real downer on this whole show. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, well, to take us out of this tailspin, let's actually talk more about Nicolas Cage and director of vampires kiss uh robert bierman mm-hmm. who i learned today was british yeah uh you know i'd like to say you hate to see it but he was so delightful for this director's commentary because this is the director's commentary watch yeah he would yeah so today we both like busted out our physical copies of vampires kiss slapped it in some kind of dvd playing device didn't do mess and... this time no big mistake yeah we are we are now back in the land of the of the re living of the real mm-hmm. in the present we, yeah the present we know which episode we're on yeah it was a little bit um, of a weird one <laughs> uh but yeah um the, this this was we watched the director's commentary and i learned a lot and a lot of the stuff that we learned also got confirmed i feel like while oh, yeah, watching absolutely. this um yeah a big note that i had down for this was they just like us for real because i feel like <laughs> the enthusiasm that we have for this is just like sh- they like clearly yes. love it as much as we do you know robert bierman especially he fucking could not shut up about how much he loved the movie and how much he loved nicholas cage's performance in mm-hmm. particular every time they would comment on some weird shit Nick Cage did. Robert Beerman was like, yeah, I fucking loved what you were doing. It was so good. You know, he just could not stop heaping praise on Nicolas Cage and the movie. And I'm like, damn, you know, get you someone who hypes you up as much as Robert Beerman hypes up this movie and mm-hmm. Nicolas Cage. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, you know, fingers crossed, vampires kiss too. Like, who knows? Someday. Someday. <laughs> Any day now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we might have to write it. You know, that's fine. Oh, we still got to do that. Oh, my God. Time we gotta is make, running like, out. The American Psycho 2 of Vampire's Kiss, you know? Yes. Terrible, oh completely unrelated, not written by the we same need... people. <laughs> uh, we need to think of some... Stars Mila uh, Kunis. Yeah, a Mila Kunis type figure to star in the role. We got to get Anika on board with, for this. This has got to be... We got to bring the minds behind Game Reel together to write this movie. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we need to get the band back together, so to speak. <laughs> um, All right, so notes. What did you write notes. down? Because I wrote down quite a bit. I wrote uh, I wrote down so much, but I think the main my main takeaway was it really fucking and one as much as I loved this commentary, it kind of pissed me off a little bit how many things that like are so perplexing and we have no like explanation behind right they that didn't they even didn't, mention the kid did not comment on 
Like the mimes, literally when they get to the mimes part, like fucking Robert Bierman's like, oh yeah, the mimes are out here. I don't know why I put those in the scene. <laughs> I don't know what I was on that day. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? What do you mean, Mr. Bierman? You put people in mime makeup and made them dance. No, they just found them off the street. You know, it's one of those. I I, I wish that was real. He also said that that like place that was hotel, a brothel. He, yeah, he said it was supposed to be a brothel, but I was like, I don't know. These people are dressed in, like, costumes. It it reads more like a Halloween party. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I guess if it was a brothel, I guess that'd be, like, kind of ironic, considering uh, mm-hmm. Peter's disposition to loneliness and all that. I know. Uh, he wants but... companionship so bad, and it he could get it right there if he didn't spend so much fucking money on taxis. Yeah. But they could have just been having, like, a Halloween or, like, a New Year's party. It just seemed like a pretty chill That's place. That's what it looks like. They did it comment like... on the way the shot was, and, like, it definitely does strike me every yes. time I see it. It's, like, a strange kind mm-hmm. of unsettling-looking shot. I think this was uh, Robert Bierman's first feature movie, which, like, yeah. kind of shows, because, like, there's a lot of weird big swings taken here, and a lot of, like, stuff that is not amateurish, but it's definitely, like... It's it's definitely like the mark of a first time director. I feel. Mm-hmm. Like adding um, children that don't get called back. What the fuck, Robert? I know another thing he did not comment on at all. Um, during the commentary. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. Let's see. So I thought a curious little tidbit of trivia that they mentioned was that Nicolas Cage was actually booted off of the movie which I did know mm-hmm. but he elaborated in this uh, director's commentary saying that after Moonstruck his people were just like this is yes. not a good idea and I yes. can totally see why they would think that mm-hmm. but clearly like no, this I, is important I think his agents since he is a Coppola I think he had good agents and mm-hmm. they were like dude this is a first time director and this movie seems bad you shouldn't be in this movie Mm -hmm. also i think considering how early it was in his career they probably Mm -hmm. weren't expecting him to be as weird as he would make himself out to be you know like moonstruck he was weird in that too definitely but you could still see like i don't know like an appeal to like more mainstream type stuff in a way that vampires because definitely is not yeah, it actually was strange. He when they were talking about Moonstruck, like Nick Cage was saying, like, "Oh yeah, back then I had done Moonstruck already, but like I wanted to be in something like hard, hard, more hardcore, you know." And like Moonstruck was like too soft or whatever. And I'm, I was, I was thinking about it. And I was like, "Man, I don't know the way that Matteo described Moonstruck to me. I don't, I don't think that sounded like a very soft movie." I think on paper, or at least not his role. I think on paper it seems like it'd be like a really soft, like cheesy movie, and it definitely mm-hmm. is. But I think there's enough quirks in it that like gives it a bit of an edge over just like a normal, chitty, boring rom com. Hmm. Yeah. He also described himself as being really like punk rock and bullish and shit, and it's like, you know, it makes sense that during this movie he was really hard to work with. Yeah. Because. <laughs> I don't know. It just seems like he was he was young. He, I think he was our age when this movie came out. That's insane. 
I know. I hadn't thought about it until Nick Cage commented on it. He's like, yeah, I was young. I think I was like early 20s when I made this movie. And I was just like head full of steam, just like being really difficult to work with and being like really caught up in the in the role. And I was like, holy shit. Yeah, there's like several this points where like hard. Robert Bierman was just like, yeah, I asked you to do this thing and you didn't do it. And Nicolas Cage was like, oh, really? I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> In particular, like, him asking his assistant to go and get him a real bat, oh, which... God. I don't know where, like, you go in town to, like, find that, but it... I guess Central Park. Yeah, I believe that's where he said. It didn't yeah. pan out, though, of course. Well, yeah, how do you fucking catch a bat at night? Yeah, also, well, you know, harder than a pigeon, I guess. You know, go figure. Yeah, yeah. But Robert Bierman also mentioned that he would get rabies from that, so he yeah. chose not to. But, you know. Which, you know, wisely wisely Nick Cage then listened to, because, like, that's no fucking joke, man. If a bat's in your house and you were asleep while it was in the house, you got to get your rabies shots. I mm-hmm. feel like we've talked about this before. We have. But it's, PSA, if there's a bat in your house, get your rabies shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, Better to take the chance. Bat's teeth are so small, you'll never feel them. It's true. You can't just shoo, shoo them away. You just can't. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that Which does fall back I... to the early meta of this podcast. And we were really Literally. like in on the rabies aspect of the hallucinations. Yeah. I think the other thing that annoyed me about this, I'm being very negative about this director's commentary, though I did really like it. I just I have a lot of notes here about how much I liked it. But the one thing that also really annoyed me Robert Bierman and Nick Cage kept insisting that Peter Lowe was simply insane and that everything was fake. Mm-hmm. I think they're wrong. You think they're wrong? Well, we do know more <laughs> about this movie than they do at this point. <laughs> I mean, we're getting to the point where I think we may have watched it more than them. Yeah. I think we've gotten like well past the point of like watching it too many times. Like, I think... Mm-hmm. I think in the 10s and, like, early 20s, I think we hit our stride in terms of, like, our enthusiasm and, like, our ability yeah. to, like, comprehend everything. And I think we're just, like, very rapidly eroding with each watch. <laughs> we're, we're getting so this was so... refreshing, you know? Yes, this was refreshing because I felt seen. Because these yeah. guys know this movie so well. Right. And... I felt like I was one of them because we know the movie so well now. Yeah, we're just one of the boys. We were getting really parasocial this watch. You know, it is what it is. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) uh, There was a funny... They also kept talking about how, like, rough New York City was at the time, which, like, I guess I believe it. It was the 80s. Yeah, yeah. Did you remember that, like, one note that I think Robert Bierman was saying, like, in the scene where uh, Nick Cage first meets Rachel, he was talking about, like, before they shot at that location, a dead body was being carted out of the location. Oh, my gosh. I do not remember him mentioning that. <laughs> yeah. I do Because well, remember... he was going... Yeah. He, he was just going on about this tangent about, like, how rough New York City was at the time and that all of... They were shooting at, like, all locations. There was no sets at all. Right. Um... Yeah, Which I guess is, like, how you shoot in New York City anyway. Right. But. Also, I know that, like, they didn't have enough money for, like, a lot of extras. So, mm-hmm. Nicolas Cage's brother is in one of the scenes. I think he's the guy, like, yeah. doing that shitty joke where he's, like, 
or it's not even a joke. He's just talking about interest, and like the guy's like, "But who would be interested?" I think the guy talking about interest uh, is another oh. I I had been looking at my notes. I was like writing something. In my, I was writing about the dead body in my notes when Nick Cage said, "Oh, there's my brother." So I actually couldn't tell which one it was. I don't know if it was the guy who was saying the interest stuff or the guy who said half the joke we heard. Yeah. Also, I believe, like, in regards to New York City being very rough, I think they mentioned that this was around the time where, I'd, I don't know if it was, like, Rikers or some other psych mm. ward that was, like, releasing a lot of people, and so there was, like, an uptick in, like, mentally ill people on the street in New York at that time. Uh, I might have also missed that note. I did, I did like, go to make myself breakfast during the movie, and I had mm. to leave the movie running or I would have been late for work. Yeah. So I did miss a few things, but I was listening. Uh, I did have the volume bumped. Mm-hmm. I um, was, well, you know, Cassidy, I'm a bit more of a professional than you. I was full attention. <laughs> I wasn't playing Persona 5, which, um, oh. yeah, I don't know why you would even accuse me of that. But what else? I, I would never. No, no, no. I mean, it's a, it's a fun game. The fusion aspect of that game is confusing me a little bit, but, you know, whatever. That game seems so narratively dense to me. I'm also, like, kind of stupid when it comes to turn-based, like, RPGs. Yeah. Because strategy is not my strong suit. I'm good at dodge rolling. Yeah, yeah. And that's about it. I think, like, I've, like, soured on turn-based combat, like, as the years have gone by. Yeah, I think it's, like, I've become less and less we i feel like we talk about our dissatisfaction with pokemon on our podcasts enough but <laughs> i think with each think generation it's like i yeah i don't want to wait one of our long. episodes yeah i think one of our episodes was very dedicated to how bad scarlet violet was i mean <laughs> is what it is is what it is anyway yeah yeah um yeah i don't know i, if Pete, uh, I feel like peter would like turn-based combat you know yeah i don't know i feel like he would think he's too good for video games mm. i also liked that nick cage confirmed what i think we both have been sort of just theorizing about his accent was that he was putting it on to sound british so that he would sound a little more sophisticated around people yeah yeah and i think nick cage i think literally confirms that he was like yeah i put on the same weird voice that my dad had Mm -hmm. so that i would sound so that peter would sound more sophisticated around people and i was like oh shit i feel like both me and mateo have said that several times oh yeah i mean i think it's it's pretty obvious i didn't they did point Mm -hmm. out that like the points in which he drops the voice like at yeah particular moments in which like he doesn't he's not in like that social kind of work environment but Mm -hmm. i that's a wonderful tidbit just like i i really enjoy him confirming that it's just like an intellectual put upon but also the fact that it's from his professor father i think is particularly interesting also Mm -hmm. they did confirm that the picture that we theorized was peter lowell's uh papa and i think i mentioned that it looked like franz kafka a few times and it it just is franz kafka it's not his dad really oh i must have missed that tidbit um yeah i i feel like a lot of things got they did to their credit they did confirm a lot of things that we had said before ever like 
reading or watching anything yeah. informational about this movie. Right. We really did get a lot through osmosis, I feel. I mean, I think... I think it goes back to our original point that, like, you know, initially on the first watch, you're just kind of shocked by everything that's happening, that you would think that it's mm-hmm. a dumber movie than it yeah. is. But, like, they're, they're, like, consistent themes throughout it. And, like, they, you know, they are sprinkling in little things, like, making you think, like, oh, is he a vampire? Is he not? Like, there's some ambiguity to it. Mm-hmm. But there's, it's not totally stupid. It's not totally stupid, and it's not as ambiguous as you might think. Yeah. I almost feel like I wish that it was a little bit more ambiguous now. Yes. I feel like he shouldn't be encountering Rachel around other people. Because mm-hmm. if you do that, it kind of makes it seem like she is real. Mm-hmm. You know? like that. I Really, it's that last scene where he's like yelling about her being a vampire in front of everybody and it's like well hang on how did he know she was wearing that dress and how did he know donald would be with her before even seeing her in the club Mm -hmm. it makes it really just seem like she is a vampire and she is doing this stuff yeah i think that adds to its credit though because like i think there's a lot of like in the in the box or in the side of like not being a real vampire and that's one of the Mm -hmm. few things it like teases towards the possibility that it is yeah well i will say i feel like he's definitely not a vampire but i do think rachel is Mm -hmm. like that's the other that's what kind of like kept like annoying me about this commentary was they kept saying oh she's not real she's not a vampire i was like no she is (laughs) shut up dad shut up robert bierman she's a fucking vampire let me believe in santa fuck Okay, I think I'm just gonna like rapid fire go through all like the fun like little trivia things that they were. Yeah, sure. So I'll, I'll follow you if you if you don't mention anything that uh, I have written down here. Of course. So Doctor Glazer always wondered about her accent. Like I assumed that it was like slightly English for some reason, but no, mm-hmm. she's from Louisiana, which makes yeah. so much sense. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Also, they were mentioning about how like. You know, you either got it or you didn't, and she got it, and I totally yeah. agree. She, like, plays her role perfectly. She um, seemed like she could roll with anything. Yeah, yeah. And she did. Mm-hmm. Okay, what else? Oh, they said it was ahead of its time. Do you agree? <laughs> I, I, I was frantically scribbling in my notebook when they said that because it is ahead of its time i guess and they said it was really unique and it's like well now it that it, nowadays it like ha- time has caught up with it or whatever i don't know if i agree with that though i don't agree either because i feel like i we have we still haven't watched any of these movies about a guy who thinks he's a vampire but he doesn't know mm-hmm but I feel like those movies are evidence that this movie maybe wasn't ahead of its time and it was exactly where it needed to be. I also did... talked a lot about like not trying to date the movie, but like yeah. it's still very 80s. I think I think they were more talking about like just visually the look of it and I mm-hmm. I do agree that like it could be like an ambiguous kind of time besides the music, of course. Yeah. Well, actually, the music I guess and the club scenes. Yeah. I guess mostly just, like, the office scenes. Like, the club scenes do date it, like, very strongly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I don't know. Like, I was thinking, like, like 
it being ahead of its time would like imply that we are in the era in, in which like vampires kiss can just happen and <laughs> i just don't think that that's true like i just i can't really point to any other movies that i feel like totally like strikes a similar thing you know yeah i you know i would have to look at the year 1998 or 1988 yeah and just really see like other horror comedies is, yeah what was the movie climate because my knowledge of the 80s is not really good enough uh to really make that claim but like I feel like they're wrong. <laughs> I feel like this movie was exactly where it needed to be, but it didn't age poorly, but it didn't it didn't age gracefully either. I think it just kind of stayed where it was. Mm-hmm. I think it is absolutely in its own complete pocket lane, like it's mm-hmm. like its own yeah. dimension. I exactly. I don't know. I mean, like, I'd love to see, like, movies that were influenced by this or that the movies mm-hmm. that influenced this, like, stylistically. Because I just... I wrote one down. Yeah? Uh, I, or I wrote it... I, like, added it to my letterbox, but it was all the way at the bottom of a 1,200-movie-long list, so I'm not going to look for it. <laughs> okay. I would assume that After Hours, the, the one that... Uh, joseph minion also wrote before this with martin scorsese perhaps like right there are some like thematic similarities to it oh yeah and also i added a movie fuck what was the movie i added a movie from the girl who gets bit i forgot her name but she is daughter of larry cohen oh who directed a bunch of stuff and she's in a bunch of his movies she's also in maniac cop which is a great movie if you like B movie slashers and movies with Bruce Campbell in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Love. I had another movie and I forget what it was called that she was also in. I ended up adding a few movies from to my letterbox because of this watch. Mm-hmm. I don't. One of them was like directed by Cassie Lemons. Or yeah, Casey she, Lemons. I think it's Casey Lemons, the, yeah. the actress for Jackie. They uh, noted that she like is a prominent director now and i didn't know this but like mm-hmm. she directed that harriet tubman movie from a few years ago that i think got nominated mm-hmm. for a few things as yeah. well as a whitney houston documentary that came out last year but she's she's still at it you know yeah i think she made self-made which i think was a miniseries about uh about like a hair products for black women like black women who like made a booming hair products empire it was like based on a real story mm-hmm. i don't actually remember if that's what it's about but there is something called self-made in her filmography i naturally i added the movie from her filmography uh called uh it was like the caveman's valentine i think it's called <laughs> and it stars um uh he, oh my god i'm forgetting his name he's a famous actor he is in pulp fiction he samuel Nick, jackson samuel jackson thank you i, bro, I listen I, it's been a long day it's fine <laughs> it's been a long day it started with vampire's kiss i'm all out of sorts it's cool. uh yeah it's i it mean start, like we said like him. we we're more disoriented after watching this movie than before always yeah <laughs> truly shout out sam jackson like in porn on his uh twitter like on main <laughs> 
you love to see it but it's sad he, he deleted it you know after people were pointing it out ah uh, come on why can't people just be cool yeah let the man like what he likes mm-hmm. um, i mean i like the people were pointing it out but i think he should have kept it stuck to his guns you know <laughs> yeah he should take a he should have taken a page out of if he book and just left it up um okay, what else Oh yeah, did you have any other uh, points of interest? Oh yeah, so they were they were mentioning. I I guess the version that we've been watching like might not be the theatrical cut, because Robert Barron was yes. talking specifically about like a lot of scenes being cut and Nicolas Cage mm-hmm. being upset about that, saying like some of his best like acting was just gone. But the mm-hmm. plus I was horny scene was not in the original cut, and that's insane to me that's crazy that's such a good scene it is it also you know it has him lying to dr glazer i mean like all of the dr Mm -hmm. glazer scenes are great like i yeah i don't know they were afraid they were afraid of this movie they were it's just it's a shame that that that's such an iconic line it's if so iconic i put it in the intro of our show Mm -hmm. also i feel like with all you know the the implications of like the scenes that they were cutting like stuff like that i feel like that stuff is like what adds the flavor and the personality to the movie yeah it's it's like it's what really sets the like screwball tone of this movie yeah um i mean it's in our intro yeah also uh, i see i i wrote this in capital letters <laughs> Did you did you see that? Did you uh, see that? They said that Joe Minion is in the diner scene. The oh. writer of the movie, he is the waiter. Oh, who's like, right away, sir, right away. Oh, that's awesome. That's Joe Minion, and apparently his ex is also in the scene. Oh yeah, the she producer. Is, yeah, I forget her name. Mm-hmm. She, but yeah, she's one of the producers. She is like in the booth behind the two girls who are like loudly chatting Mm -hmm. she is like sitting next to that really big tall guy um and like they're reacting to nick cage like you know storming out yeah yeah um but yeah she's apparently there they were they were like kind of mean to her in that commentary because they're like oh yeah she's gonna like overact right here like we love her but like come on look at that (laughs) that's ridiculous i'm like jesus guys Mm -hmm. she's a producer she paid for this movie come on i think i think they were they were just joking around i think yeah yeah Mm -hmm. if joe minion was there he would probably have a lot worse things to say about her because i guess this movie is also about her Mm -hmm. yeah well you know <laughs> why would she <laughs> i don't yeah, know she made it a... so i guess she was cool with it I don't... It's, it's, it's such a yeah that's like the thing that blows my mind about this movie is that he clearly wrote it about her and she read it and clearly knew it was about her and she was still like yeah no we gotta make this movie though mm, she's about her business you know like every seriously everything was working against this movie you know like nicholas cage's mm-hmm. people were like don't do this like they was underfunded they had to the use union all these people like, were like mm-hmm. fucking stop making this non-union movie you pieces of shit yeah yeah oh also uh not fun fact apparently nicholas cage did send this movie to roman polanski though he never got back to him 
but don't let that distract oh, really? you. Yeah. But don't yeah. let that distract you from the fact that Roman Polanski made possibly the worst vampire movie ever, uh, Fearless Killer, uh, Fearless Vampire Killers. Oh yeah, I saw that. Um, that pops up now whenever I search "Vampires Kiss" for whatever reason. It's terrible. They like they they also referenced it though. I think they mm-hmm. got the name wrong because it's like named different things in different countries. But yeah, waste of time. I think movie. this. Yeah, I also think this um, this this commentary probably came out before they knew any of the shit about Roman Polanski too. One would hope. I mean, it might be that whole Woody Allen like situation where, what was I, it? Wait, was it Woody Allen or was it all the people who were like signing a petition to like? That was Roman Polanski. That was Roman Polanski. Okay, yeah. that's what I thought. I feel like Nicolas Cage probably signed that. There, I mean, probably going through the list. It's I. I feel like we've like treaded uh, on this territory before, but going through the list, you know, it's pretty terrible. Like everyone that yeah. Not everyone, I, but like a good portion of like auteur directors that I respect sign that, and it's like yeah, I haven't fun? looked at it for that very reason because it's just gonna make me angry. There's no point. Yeah, I'm pretty sure like they reference that the director's commentary came out like ten years after they made the movie, so I think that's like well, oh. so it's within like, the time. Like the 90s. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure this Roman came out Blansky, when we were born. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. But I'm pretty sure Roman Polanski like fled the country like either in the late '80s or early '90s. Oh really? Damn! I, I thought I, I thought that was a recent thing. <laughs> no, 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 because no. he was already like gone by the early two thousands. Because that's when he made was it the pianist with Adrian Prody? Oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Well, that shows what I know, which is very little. Mm-hmm. It's um, okay to not know a lot about Roman Polanski, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, he's he's in hiding and fucking good riddance mm-hmm. um soup soup mm-hmm. did they say something about soup that was i think when i was making my breakfast yes they were they were talking about the lore of the soup uh oh really yeah yeah that's lore is a strong word they were just like and he gives him soup like it's the magical vampire remedy but like before the scene like he the soup even appears like robert bierman's already saying like soup you know, so you know he's a real fan. I mean, it's such a good delivery. It is. I'm it, a big fan of that delivery. I agree. I think, I mean, as something highlighting with the kind of character that he is, I think it's I think it's wonderful. <laughs> it's just such, it's so funny. It's just a soup. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, uh, I wrote a very perplexing note here. Mm-hmm. Um. It says teeth made him nut so hard he become a baby. Mm. Do you remember that part of the commentary? Uh they did. They did talk about the orgasmic uh, qualities of like him putting in the the you know the fangs, which we've called out you know multiple times. Yeah, so can't give them was... that much credit for our good work, but yeah. I was about, like, I remember while I was watching the commentary, I was about to get upset because I thought this was about to be on their list of things they don't comment on mm-hmm. um, during the the whole thing. Um, because, like, they start out where it's like they laugh at Nick Cage crawling away, and then Robert Bierman's like, 
oh why so what why did we do that and then nick cage was like oh i don't know and then i was like oh come on guys <laughs> this is so insane you gotta comment on this and then they talk about it and then they then they mentioned they're like oh yeah it's such an orgasmic moment it brings him back to like an infantile state and i'm like whoa okay you actually guys actually read this in the craziest way you could have said it made him into a beast or something no it was it was him going back into the womb you know yeah also they drugged pigeons yeah that i mean can you believe it I, I can, actually. I think, famously, uh, Hollywood production's not great to... Well, I mean, this isn't I mean, they did I ins- think, technically, but... True. First off, uh, yeah. I mean, it's MGM, so... Yeah. I, it's Maybe that's just a distribution company. Regardless, they did say that they, like, ethically drug the pigeons, and I'm like, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. They're really good they- drugs. Yeah, like, what did you give the pigeons, and how did you give it to them? I assume through injection, or they fed it to them. But I did hear that upon, like, it hitting, they had an orgasmic reaction and turned back into an infantile <laughs> state. So that's how you know they had a good time. Yeah, the pigeons went egg mode. That's why they were so easy to catch. Yeah. Um, You know, I would I hope that, like, Nicolas Cage, as the fantastic actor that he is, would have been able to do it you know without but apparently nick cage didn't know that they drugged the pigeons and he just thought he was fucking good at catching pigeons which like <laughs> that's really funny yeah i'm like damn damn he must <laughs> no have one been tell like, him you must have been like god i'm so method right now this is amazing <laughs> i am an apex predator <laughs> speaking of apex predator uh, uh, my last note in my book here is is in all capitals a white shark because mm. apparently during, when uh, his brother saw the um, the footage of him like creeping through the the club scene his brother said he looked like a white shark mm-hmm. I think that's an app comparison yeah it's pretty funny yeah it made me think about uh, 30 days of night uh, that like a vampire movie like that takes place like in alaska where it's like 30 days of no Mm. sunlight because like those vampire designs specifically yeah it's 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 sounds cooler than it actually is uh the movie (laughs) i haven't i haven't read the comic uh fully but the the art style is interesting but the vampire designs in specific like are very like shark like in the way that like the eyes are kind of beady and like the way that the mouths are oh you know what i think you've told me about this before but i never added it to my letterbox list so i'm doing that right now yeah i watched it one of the new year's eves because it was leaving hulu and i was like man like i really want to watch it and it was disappointing (laughs) Hey, did you know that there are three more movies after the fourth one or the first one? Um, I vaguely knew that there was a second one. There are four of these movies in total. That's pretty crazy. And one of them is three hours long. Jesus Whoa, Christ. Damn. That's a lot of night. Yeah. Okay. Well, actually, hang on. I'm so. One of them is called 30 Days of Night Blood Trails. It came out in 2007. Is a seven-part miniseries. Oh, okay. So this one's not actually a movie. Okay. 
So 30 Days of Night Dust to Dust is the sequel to the first one, and it is 180 minutes long. Hmm. That's three hours. Why is it so long? Well, you know how, like, movies, like, they'll be like, oh, this amount of time has passed, and, you know, they'll, like, cut a little bit so they don't actually have to show it. I think they just show a lot of just them hiding for hours. Jesus. Yeah, it's, this is the movie that inspired James Cameron to make Avatar three hours long. Have you seen the new Avatar? No, I have not. I don't think I'm going to. Okay. I might watch it on my own, but I'm not going to go see it in theaters. I d- was, like, so disinterested, and then, uh, I don't know if she's friend of the show, but a uh, friend of the show, Karina, mentioned that she saw it three times in the theaters, so that was the first time <sighs> my... that I've ever actually met anyone who was, like, so enthusiastic about Avatar, so... Yeah, my thing about it is, it's like... I think it will play well in a theater, right? Like, if you're in a theater and you've got snacks or maybe a meal and you've got, like, good sound, big picture, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, these movies, I think, are in, designed to play well in a theater. So, of course, people are going to like it. But I think what's going to happen to it after it's out of theaters is what, what happened to Avatar 1. People are just going to be like, oh, I don't have the time to watch this. Mm-hmm. And they don't. And then they think about the story a little bit longer. Like, well, it wasn't a very good story. Yeah. So, you know, mm-hmm. all it has is the visuals. But it also has the visual of braid sex. If you But recall. I like seeing normal sex. Can we just have normal sex? I think we need to expand the possibilities of having sex through <laughs> tentacles like within your hair fair enough i mean maybe maybe i'm just not as maybe i'm just disappointed that the navi are not more feline than they already are mm-hmm. yeah you want like full-on penetration but james cameron he's a more romantic dude than that he may take <laughs> yeah um I, i'm just excited to learn about all the the new wave of people who are like uh so depressed they can't go they're like so sad that pandora isn't real that they get real life depression oh that's interesting. that's allegedly something that happened after the first pe- movie people got like genuinely depressed that like they couldn't go to pandora because they thought pandora was so cool i mean even if it was real they wouldn't be able to afford it not to be like a debbie down or anything but... <laughs> yeah no absolutely <laughs> In the in the in the cyberpunk, uh, hell capitalism future, there's no way poor people could go to Pandora without joining the military and dying. No, for you know an obtainium or whatever. Yeah, you'd actively have to like sign yourself up for colonialism. Yeah. Um. Any any last minute uh, thoughts about the movie? Um. Yeah, I got a few more notes. Yeah, Um, go for it. They mentioned Shrek, both Max Shrek and Shrek, you know, which is good that the director's commentary came out, like, late enough for them to actually reference Shrek the cartoon. I agree, yes. We know it is confirmed that Nicolas Cage is aware of the existence of Shrek, so I think that's pretty important. Mm -hmm. 
Yes, um, uh, I, I like to. I like to think of. I like to just picture him watching Shrek in his in his like home theater. Yeah, and he's just like, you know, although he is the monster, he's the hero at heart. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's that. They mention pillow biting as he's biting a pillow and they yes. very slightly reference jokingly mostly <laughs> potential like underlying queer subtext which yes. only like adds to my you know shipping of him and patrick bateman so i'll take that w i will that that's, that's for me <laughs> that that was the one moment that my roommate who hasn't seen the movie yet came down and saw <laughs> she like was making her breakfast while that moment would happen and she heard them say that and she was like i knew he was gonna say that that's hilarious mm-hmm. um so her interest in this movie is peak but but just of the the director's commentary mm-hmm. and not the actual movie yeah i mean it just confirms this is about repression you know largely mm-hmm. as much as it's about absolutely loneliness. Yeah. Uh, so there's that. They say that Peter's death looks so real, and they mostly do say that in reference to the screaming that he does. But it yeah. does it does not look real. It's Humbly. fine. The screaming is good, and the rest of it is whatever. It's clearly a plank that was glued to his torso. Yeah. And the very last thing that I thought was interesting was their discussion of like the ending because. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think I that think was another that, yeah. That was another like observation that they made that I feel like we made mm-hmm. independent of seeing this. Right, was the whole like the camera going up and his soul leaving his body. I feel like we said that before we'd even watched that commentary. Right, but I think one thing that like I found interesting them referencing was just like, oh, should it have ended there? Because like right after that is the famous you know like cutaway to Rachel where she's like dreaming mm. of my angel. And I think yeah. that's, like, a very memorable thing, though. Like, I yeah. feel like overall, like, I kind of, like, thought, like, I'm not sure if that adds anything to how the ending is. I don't know. I like it because it makes it more pulpy and, like, yeah. genre-ish. It, like, I don't know. It kind of just, like, puts a button on the movie and makes you, like, think of her and, mm-hmm. like how this is her doing yeah i think it like adds more to like the real vampire aspect to it yes it is another thing that makes me think yes she was a real vampire and she saw this pathetic shithead and decided she was gonna get the ball rolling on ruining his life Mm -hmm. i don't know i guess i feel that like the the ending like everything like internet like although there's like some ambiguity like throughout i think it's like so mostly skewed towards that he is hallucinating and i feel that like Mm -hmm. his death kind of just solidifies that in a way that like i don't know if it's you don't think so oh no i'm just i'm so sad to see you swayed back to the realm of reality by these by these two chuckleheads I think I think my energy is just sapped. Like I don't I don't know if I could like entertain like the. This is very sa- sad for me to say, like for me to hear from myself. But like I don't know how much I can more entertain like the the real vampire thing. 
Oh, see, I'm I'm that way energy wise, but with I'm like I just can't entertain like the metaphor behind his insanity. It's just like no, this is real. She's doing she's doing real tangible magics to him, and it is driving him insane. Mm-hmm. We're like on opposite ends of the spectrum, but for the same reason. Yeah, yeah. Also, he, I feel like he didn't. Or maybe, like, I just missed it, but, like, I wish that Nicolas Cage talked about more about his hands falling at the end. Cause, like, I think they did. They do. But, like, in the initial death, it looks fine. But then when it, like, cuts mm-hmm. over to, like, the shot where, like, it pans up of, like, his soul, like, leaving his body or whatever, his arms are, like, both falling, but they're falling at different parts because I think, like, one yeah. of them hits the wall. Yeah. And to me, it looks like kind of awkward and i wanted him to talk about it more but he didn't really uh yeah i think even robert bierman was praising him for it i i think it looks fine just because the camera is moving up and away so like there's enough movement where i'm just like not as distracted by it Mm -hmm. but you are right it is a weird movement yeah i just i guess i don't know like how you act that to be more realistic i don't think you do i think it's just I, i mean i think if he had like moved slowly at first and then just flopped him down it would have been normal because it's like the life has left his body but then i guess the life is slowly leaving his body so maybe that's what it's supposed to be yeah peter is a dramatic person he is such a drama queen Mm -hmm. um yeah i don't think i think you pretty much covered all the bases that i have um the only other thing that i have is that the uh orchestra that did the score was in the czech republic while it was still communist so it was a communist orchestra oh yeah yeah Uh they do that a lot of people like a lot of film productions record a lot of the music in like eastern european countries or just european countries i assume it's cheaper i think it is they mentioned that under the uh, communist orchestra i think they said it was like a dollar a day which is depends on their currency but i have a hard time believing the czech republic had a strong currency perhaps not who knows i don't know enough about uh the czech republic at the time Mm -hmm. me neither Um, i just enjoy some of their short films that are animated it's true i need to i need to look at more into those i i I hear a lot about it from my podcasts Mm-hmm. Gotta gotta watch Jerry Trinka. Can't go wrong with Jerry Trinka. Is uh, you know what? I'll I'll I'll, I'll use that as a smooth ass transition into our our recommendations. Uh, is that part of your recommendations, Jerry Trinka? Uh, yeah, sure, Jerry Trinka. I mean, his masterpiece, uh, The Hand, uh, is fantastic. It's about it's it's. You know, it's little little stop motion puppet guys. It's about uh, creating art under uh, fascism and under like tyrannical government rule. Uh, you know, something to consider. You know, very well mm-hmm. done. Uh, he has. He also has like a really good uh, adaptation of Shakespeare's *Midsummer Night's Dream*, though it's it's very hard to find a, like a good quality copy of it. Um yeah it's probably yeah it's probably on the the streaming service that shall not be named they have a lot of old stuff that they 
you know uh that's that's a good point like i they they preserve can you look by director on tubi uh i honestly don't know if that's something you can do <laughs> you just search it maybe uh while mateo is doing that i will do my recommendation uh my recommendation is Puss in Boots, The Last <laughs> Wish. Awesome. I started so lukewarm on that movie. I heard, when I when I saw that it was announced, I was like, whatever. It's Puss in Boots, it's DreamWorks, it's Shrek, I don't care. Uh only only my roommates were excited for it because they love Puss in Boots. I was a hater. And then my roommates after one of my roommates saw it and she said that there was a villain in the movie that was uh, just as cool, if not maybe cooler, than Rattlesnake Jake from Rango, which is also a shadow recommend. Rango, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and that piqued my interest. I was like, Rattlesnake Jake is cool as fuck. He is. What is this villain? So then I went and saw it, and then uh, throughout the whole movie, I like was glued to the screen you know mouth agape laughing crying sometimes cringing away from the screen there are some moments of fingernail torture funnily Mm. enough in this movie (laughs) be warned um yeah it's mostly like big guys that gets puss in boots is like tiny rapier stuck under their fingernail Mm. um it sucks um but it's a move and like uh he is referenced like there's a scene where puss in boots is like burying his effects uh and like eulogizing himself and there's like little things like of his like adventures like popping up around his head and there is a scene of him and donkey and shrek walking across a bridge okay um but yeah the movie is like really beautifully animated the action is amazing there were moments that literally did genuinely bring a tear to my eye i don't cry at movies very well yeah i like don't cry at movies very often it's kind of hard to make me cry but like there was a scene where i was literally sitting in the theater like tears are in my eyes like oh my god Uh, (laughs) it's it's a good fucking movie and my roommate was right the, there is a villain in this movie that is fucking cool as fuck. He is on par with, if not cooler than Rattlesnake Jake, one of the coolest villains I think that is in a movie. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to spoil who it is. He's just really cool. You probably see him in the trailers. Mm-hmm. He's got really cool sickles that he wields around like a badass. Uh-huh. Is he uh, Humpty so... Dumpty again? Because I remember when I saw <laughs> the first one. Yes, it's, it's Humpty Dumpty. He's back from the dead. Uh-huh. And he has uh, sickles now. Yeah, he's got sickles. It's sick as fuck. Uh, No, anyway, yeah. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Fucking good movie. All right, cool. Uh, Did you have any others, or was uh, was, uh, that your your recommendation? Did you find the director on... uh... No. No? No. Shame. Well... Unfortunate. Um... I watched the menu yesterday, and that was Ooh. yeah. It, it was good. One. It was good. I don't, I don't think it was amazing or anything. I think mm-hmm. it's like a fun little romp. It's funny. And yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. I like. I'm a simple person. I just I enjoy just staring at Anya Taylor Joy for like an hour and a half. Like it's mm-hmm. it's my mm-hmm. stupid brain, but. 
Yeah, I like I like her, and I like the guy who plays Nux from Fury Road in that movie. I don't remember his name. Mm-hmm. He's British. Mm-hmm. Not John Leguizamo, who was Bruno and also 90s <laughs> no. Uh, Luigi. <laughs> no, but he was really good in that movie, too. Okay. And no, also, they... I watched the uh, Adult Swim Eagle Log uh, movie, which Ooh. I thought was really interesting uh initially i think the characters are like all pretty stereotypical and like it kind of tackles a little bit too much but it was a fun ride it's by the I, same I've director been... as too many cooks also so yeah i heard i i heard that about this movie and i was like oh i should watch it yeah uh, i'm you know i like too many cooks yeah um i don't like it as much as too many cooks but I mean, that's that they struck gold with too many cooks. That's like a perfect video. Yeah, it's a horror classic. Yeah. Um. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I think that's all for the now. We can uh, do our plugs. Um, I'm gonna plug my letterbox. I haven't done it in a while, but follow me on Letterbox. Paneranoid. I'm uh, I'm I'm active on there frequently. Um, I'm also getting back into streaming. It was my New Year's resolution to stream once a week nice. this year. So I'm also doing that. Go to twitch.tv slash wizard drinks. Uh, it's slow going right now, but I'm just getting back into the feel of it, baby. Playing prop night and shit. Awesome. What is your favorite uh, prop to be in prop night? Uh, I've only played the killer, so... Not often do I get to be a prop unless I'm playing the killer that can turn into props. But uh, if I had to pick one, I would say a cabbage. It's small and hard to hit. Hmm. Uh, do Just you have like anything you life. want to plug? Um, <laughs> no, not right now. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, follow us on Twitter at GamerielPod. Yes, yes. Um, and very important and also rate and review us on wherever you can do that i'm not really clear on how that works but please do it you know on spotify you just go to like the the not the artist page but the podcast page is a little little star Um, oh there you go i'd really prefer to not be the only uh five star rating that i put on my own podcast you know the guilds (laughs) like it eats away at me every night like it's it's driving me crazy like i might start you know eating pigeons and it's it's on you if you don't do that. i'll i'll join you in solidarity of doing that as well uh don't <laughs> okay. let it just be us people yeah um all right and uh well thank you all for listening uh it has been a pleasure to talk with you mateo mm-hmm. uh, Same to you. i've i've been cassidy i've been mateo thanks for listening everybody good night mm-hmm dream of us. Dream of me, my angel.